Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one size fits all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Com. Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. I don't know if like the makeup artist hadn't seen the call sheet or what was going on, but she kind of was very surprised to see me. And I know she didn't mean it maliciously, but it became this scramble looking for products. She got nervous and the rest of the other models could feel it. And immediately it took that joy of like, oh, my first runway gig. And I remember just feeling like... I felt like I was a burden on everyone. And I was almost wishing I was in my skin complexion because I just wanted things to be smooth. In that moment, I was doing a job and I just wanted to do my job. And it felt like there was all this attention on me because of my features and my hair and that I was a kink in this, in this system. Hey guys, welcome to Breaking Beauty, the podcast all about the best-selling beauty products and the damn good stories behind them. We're your hosts, Carlene Higgins and Jill Dunn. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Breaking Beauty Podcast. Hello, Jill. How's everybody doing out there? I think a lot of people are on vacation, <laughs> as they should be. I'm not. I'm no. working on a podcast, but I'm I'm pumped about this one. I know. I'm so excited to share this story with everybody. Yeah. Everyone's going to love hearing about an up-and-coming brand while yeah. you're lying on the beach. I hope you download this and take this with you. <laughs> yeah. We are speaking with Tomi Belayi. She is a 27-year-old founder of a line of makeup called Makeup for Melanin Girls. Tomi is the founder and she lives in Toronto. She started her direct-to-consumer makeup line late in 2017. She had zero beauty experience. (laughs) MFMG Cosmetics, as the brand is also known, has a mission to bring diverse beauty to the forefront through highly pigmented beauty products for women of color. You're not an afterthought. That is what the tagline of this brand is. And I think it really speaks to the emotional connection that Tomi has with Mm -hmm. all of her her, uh, consumers for this brand. The brand was born out of a hashtag called hashtag makeup for melanin girls. Tomi developed that into an Instagram account and that grew into a huge online community for women of color to trade makeup tips, to just rely on each other mm-hmm. and bounce ideas off of each other. And it's almost, it's up to 170,000 women strong and counting. Tomi felt compelled to develop a line of beauty products after her community 
asked her to, basically. They kept looking to her as the authority, as the person who was creating and managing this content. Yeah. So her first foray into makeup was this MFMG glitter palette. It's kind of interesting that she came out with a glitter palette first instead of, say, foundations or concealers, which is maybe what most people would have expected. Well, I think it was smart. Everybody knows how complicated it is to create foundations for 40 skin tones, 50 skin tones. I think just from a technical point of view, it's tricky to get the pigments right and then also get the finishes right and the coverage right. Yeah, she is working on those. She's working on the foundations. Stay tuned. Watch this space. Mm -hmm. But um, in the meantime, she has false eyelashes that she sells Mm -hmm. as part of the line and as well the liquid lipsticks. Women are so excited about this brand. Here's just one example of the type of reaction that Makeup for Melanin Girls is getting. This definitely has to be the best collab for dark skin girls ever. Made for us, by us. I love that motto. Do not sleep on this brand, everybody. You heard it here first. She is going to be an absolute superstar in the beauty space. She already is, frankly. And Tommy and I have been kind of like circling around each other on LinkedIn, like liking each other's stuff. And I had been reading about her in Glamour and BuzzFeed. And mm-hmm. I was just so impressed by what she was doing. And then to come and then come to find out that she's actually based right here. So of and course try, we had, yeah, had we to had get to get her, her had to get her on the microphone. I was so impressed with her when she came in and we met her in person yeah. because she is so young. Yeah. She was an incredibly strong speaker. She's full of passion, but she's just really bright. Like she's referenced, she's yeah. researched, you know, she's dropping stats. Oh my God. We I, we both at the end, we were like, can you be our mentor? Yeah. <laughs> Legit. Yeah. And I mean, she's taking a topic that is very sensitive to a lot of people. That's right. But her presence is very positive. And I find it's not divisive. That's right. And I just think that's incredibly powerful in this day and age. I think that her personality is just like effervescent and it's Mm -hmm. honestly contagious. And I'm not surprised that she's created this huge community of women out there. They haven't even met her yet. You know, if you meet her in person, you're going to be even more blown away Mm -hmm. by her. And I think there are a lot of business people who have their eye on Tomi as well. I know that recently MFMG Cosmetics received investment capital from the New Voices Fund. Yeah. So that's a $100 million fund created to support women of color entrepreneurs to give them access and capital and expertise to help level out the playing field. This was created by a man. His name is Richelieu Dennis, and he is the CEO and co-founder of Sundial Brands. So they own Shea Moisture, which many um, people may know for their hair care. Um, there's Nubian Heritage as well, which is a line of personal care and wellness products. And so when Sundial was acquired by Unilever, this was in 2017, uh, one of the conditions of the deal was that Unilever would have to commit an initial amount of $50 million to put toward this new Voices Fund. It is so such a baller move. We need <laughs> to have Richelieu on the podcast. Just like that idea of giving back to the community and not in a small way. Other brands under this new Voices Fund or who have received capital also include Lip Bar. Um, she's amazing, based out of Detroit, Beauty Bakery, and Beauty Con. Mm-hmm. All, all brands that and organizations that we love and would love to speak to in the future. So we're going to dive deeper into the origin story of MFMG Cosmetics because that's what we do here at Breaking Beauty Podcast. And we're going to learn more about the founder, Tomi, who emigrated to New Brunswick, Canada from Nigeria as a teenager to go to college here. We got that maritime vibe going on. We bonded over <laughs> that. And we're going to start the conversation right there. So back to those early days 
and a side hustle that sparked the very first inkling that makeup for melanin girls was needed. My name is Tomi Gbelayi, and I'm the CEO of MFMG Cosmetics. I went directly from Lagos, Nigeria to Fredericton, New Brunswick. Right. had no idea there was actually snow there because <laughs> all the photos were like people sitting on the grass and oh students going. Gosh. I was like, this is going to be great. It's I'm going to go so to cute. North American school. They have brick buildings, everything. New Brunswick. I'm from the Maritimes. I'm from PEI. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Instant friends. Yeah. I can't believe you That's moved awesome. to New Brunswick. I actually loved it as well. Like, I remember my first week, I was kind of freaked out because people were smiling at me and saying <laughs> hello. And I'm from Lagos, which is like a bustling city. And like, I was just like, is something wrong? What's going on? And I was like, oh, people are nice. Yeah. That's a good thing. They are. They are. Yeah. What happens in a lot of bigger cities like Toronto mm -hmm. is you kind of get enclaves of people. Right. And I feel like if I'd moved to Toronto, I would have just, because I had a lot of people from my, funny enough, my high school graduation here, I had a lot of students from that year at like universities in Canada. And I feel like I would just, I've quickly eased into that lifestyle. Whereas yeah. being in the Maritimes, I really had to sort of integrate into a different culture. Yeah. I think it was just good growth for me as a person. Mm -hmm. And like, really, that's what made me decide to stay in Canada as well. Because oh, it was see. so different and interesting. And yeah. how old were you when you came to Canada? I was 17. Wow. Yeah. I, to be honest, at first, I was just really excited to be away from home too. I was like, yes, I'm free. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it was also just kind of like, whoa. But look at you now, starting your yeah. own business. Yeah. And you're still, how old are you now? I am 27 now. I'll be 28 later on in July. Wow. Oh, wow. My goodness. Yeah. So you've got a business. You're still in your late 20s. You're getting married. Like all these things. I it's know. Yeah. And also I would be a Canadian citizen this year. So it's like 10 years in. Um, and then I've been a permanent resident for, okay. I don't know how long now, but basically I applied to be a citizen this year this year and is it happening yeah is like i applied through? last year and then i got the notification that i okay. had to do my test and everything this okay year. i read that your story part of it came from an earlier job of modeling is that yes. true yeah so how did you even get into modeling so i've always been really so i'll give you like background way back in yeah. 2001 there was this uh, woman called agbani darego and okay. she won miss world she was the first i don't recall she was like the first black woman to ever win the Miss World competition, but uh -huh. she was definitely the first Nigerian woman. Okay. And that was when I was growing up and I saw her posters everywhere. And I mean, I was tall and lanky and awkward looking and everyone would always be like, you should model. That's and what every model says. <laughs> I was tall and lanky. <laughs> and especially with her winning, I was like, I was interested in it and into modeling. And funny enough, like when I got like my acceptance letter, I also got into a modeling competition. It was like, oh. I remember it was the elite modeling search in Nigeria. And I had to make, I had to make, I say I had to make a decision. My mom was pretty much like, oh, you're, you're, going, you're going to school. <laughs> so I always had that bug. I felt like, you know, I missed out on my big opportunity, yeah, so to speak. Yeah. So even when I moved to New Brunswick, I would come to Toronto all the time for jobs and work with local designers and do gigs and things oh, like cool. that. So because I still had this passion for it because I felt like it was this missed opportunity that I had. And I wanted to make sure that I you know, I accomplished everything I set out to do in addition to, you know, getting the degree and everything that I, yeah, yeah, yeah. that I came to Canada for in a sense. Right. What, what was that degree? Oh, psychology and international development studies. 
people are like, oh, how'd you end up in business? But psychology, definitely, I was huge. I'm huge. Still am. Because I still subscribe to a lot of, like, psychology articles. And, like, psychology today was just, like, mm-hmm. the basics. But I still read journal articles mm-hmm. because it's just so fascinating to me learning about the mind. I was right. that person that would go to my engineering friends and be like, you guys, I just learned this about cognitive dissonance. Do you want to <laughs> chat with me? You're totally doing it right now. So, right. but it does help me a lot, I think, with business to, in terms of marketing. Absolutely. Sales and that piece as Absolutely. well. Yeah. You're understanding consumer behavior, really. Absolutely. At, at the end of the day. So when you were modeling, um, we were reading a little bit about your story, and there, there's a lot of women of color who have shared their experience of what it was like sitting in the makeup chair. And can you tell us what that was like for you, and maybe what it, what inspired you to take the next step and actually create products? I can't remember it like it was yesterday because the feeling still stays with me. I got in one of my first runway gigs. So before then, I'd been taking pictures, like building my portfolio, and I finally got a runway gig in Halifax, actually. And to me, from living in Fredericton, that was a huge deal, okay? Yeah. It's like a four, Halifax was the big city. Yes. I was doing a runway totally. show. It was going to be like, you know, people would see me and all the stuff was going to be great. And I get to the um, sort of like where they're, um the back room where we're getting hair and makeup done like I don't know if like the makeup artist hadn't seen the call sheet or what was going on but she kind of was very surprised to see me Mm. and I know she didn't mean it maliciously but it became this scramble looking for products she got nervous and it was Mm. very visible and it was really weird because I think the rest of the other models could feel it Uh and immediately it took that joy of like oh my first runway gig Mm. and I remember just feeling like I felt like I was a burden on everyone Uh and I was almost wishing I was in my skin complexion because I just wanted things to be smooth you know Mm -hmm. like I just wanted everything to go well I just felt like there was all of this attention Mm -hmm. on which is weird because I was in modeling and you are like it's like an attention focused role in a sense but in that way in that moment I was doing a job and I just wanted to do my job and Mm -hmm. it felt like there was all this attention on me because of my features and my hair and that I was a kink in this mm-hmm. in the system. So mm-hmm. that was one of the first times I think I felt truly uncomfortable mm-hmm. in beauty because for me growing up in Nigeria, all the billboards, all the movies, everything I saw around me were usually women that looked like me. So I never really saw like that disconnect as mm-hmm. to oh like a darker skin could be perceived as not beautiful. I think those moments in modeling was where it was like oh there's a huge disconnect here about finding the right products mm-hmm. to suit my skin tone. So after that, I really wanted to learn about makeup because I was like okay, if I really know how to do makeup well, I can like find, although makeup artists really hate when people do that because of course they're artists, they want, they think what, you know, everything's perfect and all that. But I wanted to find a way to adjust what was done. So I wouldn't end up, I would end up feeling comfortable because beauty is, it's all ties back into confidence and putting Mm -hmm. your best self out there. So I was like, I want to be able to do my job and feel confident while doing it. I, if I know a lot about makeup and I can know the techniques that makeup artists use, if I dash into the washroom, get a quick break, I could correct some of the things like the whether it was a wrong foundation match or anything like that. So that's how I really got into more into makeup. Because mm-hmm. prior to that, I was more of like a lip gloss and lashes girl. I wasn't really into techniques oh, per se. And so what did happen to precipitate you deciding to start your own makeup line? So in between all of that, while modeling and getting more into makeup, that's when I realized there was a whole community of different women that looked like me that were sort of hacking products to make them work. So they mm. would go to an existing collection of products and be like, 
oh, this is a nude that will work for us. And then, of course, with um, the growth of YouTube as a platform for, for beauty tutorials, that's when I sort of delved into that world and realized there were other women all sort of trading information and sharing information as well. And at this point, I was more of a just a participant in it and, you know, joining and making comments and joining all these forums. And then when Instagram really started taking off for beauty is when I started my own community as well. Just because I was passionate about it, I'd had this, you know, I'd had to get into makeup in order to better do my job as a model, mm -hmm. or at least more in order to feel more confident mm -hmm. in that role and just know, like, if there's a mishap, at least I know I can correct it. Right. That was my mindset at right. the time. What was the name of the community that you started? So it was called Makeup for Melanin Girls. Mm -hmm. And it was, in, at that point, it was literally just a hashtag and just the Instagram page. There was nothing mm. more. It was just me sharing tips that I had, sharing local makeup artists in different places and what that started to create was this ecosystem that I hadn't anticipated because what will happen like let's say you have someone here in Toronto that usually does your makeup all the people that she's done whether they're brides or um, prom looks done makeup for got really excited like oh my god no one ever talks about all the beautiful things you do this is awesome that you've created this kind of page told me I'm going to invite more of my friends. So within a month, it was like, oh, I had 10,000 followers and I was just obsessed with it. You're like, oh, I was kind of a keener in undergrad. <laughs> I think that's just kind of me. I just, once I'm into something, yeah. like I'm into it all the way, like 100% yeah. in. Yeah. So everyone started following this page and I was like, this is awesome. Like, let's keep it going. I was posting all through the day. My fiance was kind of like, what are you always doing on your phone? Like, <laughs> this is crazy. And then... I think things got real when uh, a reporter at the New York Times. Now, so now this is 2016. I had no product at this right. time. I was just doing my community, feeling really hyped that people cared what I had to say. Um, there's a reporter for the New York Times doing a story. There was a model that was featured on the MAC Cosmetics Instagram page. And there were a number of comments about her lips on there. There were a lot of derogatory things said, a lot of racist remarks, like things about her lips, like, oh, monkey lips and things like that. So this reporter wanted to do kind of delve into it, like talk about sort of the, you know, the beauty industry and the connection with um, black women in the industry and just um, diversity in the industry. It was really more kind of deep dive into why would these people even be be coming to this beauty page to make these comments and things like that. And then she reached out to me because she saw I started this page. And when that happened, I actually created like a movement within my community called based on the hashtag pretty lips period. Uh -huh. So I was just, you know, highlighting that I turned into this kind of advocate, I think mm -hmm. for a lot of women. So whenever they saw something that related to diversity and beauty, they would tag me and be like, Oh, have you seen this? Uh -huh. Like we uh -huh. would love to hear your thoughts and things like that. Uh -huh. So now the reporter reaches, I'm working full time this whole time by the way so the reporter reaches out to me and I was like the New York Times this is a scam oh, a good one the New York Times yeah right and she reaches out again like okay I'm on a deadline like I need you to like respond ASAP and I'm like oh this might be legit Oops. so I give her a call and of course she's doing the story and wants to hear my thoughts and then it gets published in print and I think that's when it kind of clicked for me yeah. that I, this wasn't just a fun thing this is something that people really needed mm -hmm. and it was needed on a big scale as well. Yeah. So that was sort of the first inkling that I was building something just beyond sharing my thoughts and kind of expressing my own struggles with makeup. 
And then I was doing a lot more surveys with my audience. So for two years, people kept telling me they wanted products, but I was kind of like, no, <laughs> guys, like, I don't, where am I going to start from? Like, I don't know. <laughs> but so I was, it like, all comes back to the business side of listening to your customers and listening to what people want. Cause I, that I was getting traction more of a, as a media platform. And I was just like, that's what I know how to do. That's what I can do. So that's what I'm going to keep doing. But every time I would survey our blog readers, it was always coming back to products uh -huh. but for two years I was just too scared I was like I don't know how to get started on that but how are what were you using to survey your audience oh, I was I'm just curious. using like so I well I had an email list okay I, I started well once so once the New York Times thing happened I was like okay I have this platform on Instagram I want the platform now to be mine mm -hmm. so that I started the blog and then we had like, like our monthly newsletters that we okay. would send out and we were collect we had an email list I think at that time the email list was 86,000 mm -hmm. and then I was doing surveys with the email list so okay. that's how we were running the surveys Got it. so I really was kind of like okay I had this this content thing it's going well there were ads a few ads here and there so brands were starting to send me PR actually mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. highlight their right. um, products to my audience but I sort of hit like a wall because my career was sort of advancing as well so I got in a new role at a tech startup okay. as an account executive so I was sort of in this there was a a fork in the road starting to form like do I want to be a woman in tech and kind of focus on that side yeah. or am I going to build out this community that I started in this media platform mm -hmm. and I was almost forced to make a decision to pick one when my Instagram page got deleted before we get into that can we talk about periods for a second yes did you hear about the period emoji that's finally coming out this is genius. Yeah. I need this. <laughs> so it's a single droplet of blood. Yeah. And obviously, if you text it to your friend, they should bring you French fries immediately. Absolutely. <laughs> Come over, watch a movie. But I really like how the whole dialogue around periods and just the image is getting way cooler yeah. and less about shame, embarrassment. Agree. You know, that just needs to go away. Agree. Especially now, I've, I'm sure with you having a daughter. Yeah, absolutely. Well, She's seen tampons lying around. She's yeah. asked about them. And I try to be very matter of fact and not too cutesy about it. Just normalize yeah. it. You know? And I'm just like, this is a normal part of a woman's body and growth and development. And when you get there, we'll chat further Absolutely. and then we'll go for pedicures. <laughs> Speaking of that whole movement, um, mm -hmm. I recently discovered Lola. They're a feminine hygiene brand. They offer 100% organic cotton products. So there's no added chemicals, fragrances, synthetics, or dyes. I like that Lola offers this kind of complete transparency around the ingredients found in their tampons. They also have pads and liners and biodegradable wipes. But it's something that we just never thought about growing up. And there really hasn't been that much innovation in this space. They also have really great design, by the way. Like if it drops on the floor, I'm not going to be that embarrassed. Exactly. TBH. Exactly. Another really smart thing that they thought about is customizing the absorbency that you get in each, each box. So mm -hmm. you can sign up to get you know, lights and supers in the same box. This is ingenious. And why has nobody done this before? Yeah. And you can either get it with the BPA free applicator yeah. or no applicator. Yeah. And so everything about it is customizable. So smart. This is what we want as women. Yeah. Another thing that's really smart is that for every purchase made, Lola donates feminine care products to homeless shelters across the U.S. That is just next level. And ending period poverty. Um, it's really important. We know that our listeners love to make ethical choices when it comes to their purchases 
purchases. Mm -hmm. And that's why we're excited that we have a promo code. We're not talking about 10% off here either. Lola is offering Breaking Beauty listeners based in the US 40% off of all subscriptions. That's amazing. Visit mylola.com and enter the promo code beauty when you subscribe. Now, speaking of women-run companies doing good for other women, let's get back into today's episode. And how many Instagram followers did you have at that time when it disappeared? I had 100,000, actually 100K, well, 100,000 when it it disappeared. So when it happened, I I still remember, I was... I was devastated. I was devastated. I tried to log How in. How does that even happen? So the first things first was I think they were doing Instagram usually does a sweep of like spam accounts or something. Okay. And they're just done a sweep of that. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to log into my account. So I was like, this is weird. Did I get hacked? Like what's going on? Mm-hmm. And then I I couldn't log in. I was like, no, this is like this is not real. Yeah. And I was just was in a fit of tears. Like this is a community I've been building for two years. Like, what am I going to do? So I started researching how, you know, how does this happen? How does this happen to people? Yeah. Apparently sometimes it could be because our account is still not verified now. Instagram, if you're listening, please verify <laughs> me. <laughs> but um, you could get your account could get like swept up in like a if they're doing like a sweep of accounts that are inauthentic right. or something yes if it's just identified that way it could be using music so if you use like um a right. royalty uh, or if it's not royalty free right exactly yeah yeah, yeah. They it could, could just get flagged it could get flagged yeah. it could be a number of different things it's hard okay. to say so you really want to get verified and you would yeah. think that based on your experience they would now verify you yes instagram <laughs> Are you listening? I know. The heartache. Come on and verify us at the same time. Just, yes. just, just, just break. Everybody gets verified. It's a verification party. But it was a blessing in disguise because when that happened, I realized I'd been placing so much on, of my community. At the end of the day, I think T- Tobias, the founder of Shopify, actually did a tweet about this the other day. He's like, the only thing you own as a business is your email list and your website. Mm-hmm. And I realized in that moment that I didn't, like the, what I was depending on so much to as the link to my customers was not something That's that I own. Such owned. a great point. I, I think of it all the point. time. These girls that are just like building out two million people on Instagram. It's like tomorrow, Face could pull the plug because they own it. Yes. You don't own it. And well, we own our podcast, Carleen. So. <laughs> okay, well, yes, you do. <laughs> until iTunes decides to go belly up. Um, anyway, what did you do from there? Yeah, yeah. Let's get into all the juicy details. Mm-hmm. So. And that was when it hit me. I was like, whoa, I spent two years plus all the years of it, you know, experience leading up to that to create this platform and everything. And now it's just the key source driver of traffic to it is just it's gone. And that's, you know, so I had all these questions as well that people had been asking for product leading up. So it was just kind of like the perfect confluence of all those things, plus my like where my career was going mm-hmm. and I had this fork in the road. And I was like, I have to do something. I want to, I want my brand. Like if Instagram went out today, I want my brand to live on in this community and the, the, the vision of what I created mm-hmm. to, to still exist. Yeah. And I want my people back. And I right? want my brand back. So mm-hmm. then after the tears, I wiped over the tears, I got to action. So the first thing I did was I started just Googling, like, how does this happen? What do you do? So you can message, surprisingly, you can message Instagram like customer service to mm-hmm. support. So I started to track what, like, <laughs> okay, I'm just going to say what I did. <laughs> so you can see, like, they will have a si- signature, like mm-hmm. you send an email and be like, best Jill. Yeah. So I was like, okay, 
how do I find who that person is? Because if I can talk to the person yeah. one-on-one, they will understand what happened. So I started to go on LinkedIn and just backtrack and figure out, because they don't put last names. Yes. So I, started, I went on LinkedIn. I started digging. I started Eva emailing Chan people. Instagram. Eva Chan, whoever. <laughs> I was like messaging even people. So I started with people in Toronto because mm-hmm. at least I could go. And I started messaging them. I was like, hey, this is my situation. This is what I'm building. I'm launching products soon. Like I need my page backup. This was like, you know, a big reason. A lot of people were like, sorry, can help not my department until i found someone whose department it actually was oh, so amazing. i it was a woman as well and i told her i was like listen i got your email like your support email this is my situation i'm not like some bot account like it's all authentic and this and that and then the page was back up oh, wow. and the page came back up at the same time that i got my first product like ready to go like wow. the first first units. So the first post I made when the page, page was back up was my the, our glitter palette. And it sold out within two weeks after that first wow. post. You're wow. like, just joking, guys. Here's my palette. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because even my followers were trying to help me. Aww, they were like adding aww. Instagram, being like, what's going on? We want our page. Yeah. Your very first product was a glitter palette. Yes. Okay. Why did you choose that? So that product was also interesting. I think at that point where I was at with the release of the palette was just, okay, I have this community. I have this audience. I have other brands reaching out to me to advertise right. to my audience. Can I create? something that everyone's gonna just gonna like just to see if Mm -hmm. this whole brand business is it can be real essentially so the glitter palette for me i've been working with different like manufacturers and nothing was really because for my audience what we're really looking for especially um, eyeshadows is pigmentation like something bright and colorful and i wasn't really feeling inspired like Mm -hmm. i was going to trade shows i wasn't really seeing like nothing was really making me excited and when i started working with that contract manufacturer and i got that like those samples i was like oh my god i love this yeah. and i know my audience is gonna love it too so it was kind of perfect because like, then i have like my first the first product to launch and to see if you know my audience has been asking for products will actually really love what i had to to offer and mm-hmm. it was it was clear that they did mm. That's a big gamble Amazing. to just be like, you know what? I love this. I think they're going to love it too. Right. And you're like, it let's was. just put the order in. Yeah, it was. It yeah. was. I could, <laughs> and it was kind of like, uh, let's see. Yeah. And, yeah. My fiance was definitely, because initially I got the order to my house. He was just yeah. like, oh my God. <laughs> but he had seen, at that time, I'd gotten some PR traction. So it, it was after the New- first New York Times thing, mm-hmm. he started to come around like, okay, this thing you're doing on your phone, there is like some merit here. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, even that was a big gamble. But he was supportive as well. He's like, I mean, if you're because the way I saw it was if brands are reaching out to me to advertise Mm -hmm. to my uh, audience, why don't I create something where I can essentially develop the customer journey and Mm -hmm. all the touch points and create something that was like specially made for my audience and see how they would react to it. That's 2017, October. Mm -hmm. I was still working at the time and it was sort of like, okay, let's see. And then when that the seller happened, I was like, oh God, like yeah. this is, so I was excited to work on my next product, yeah. which was really, I would say the first product that was really focused on solving the uh, one of the problems that our audience has, which is like, why do I have to hack the system to find a product that works for me? So it created a, a line of four 
four nude lipstick shades and you can buy it in a set as well Mm -hmm. and because that was something i struggled with and i've seen so many women like wanting to pair having to pair a lighter shade with a liner Mm -hmm. there's even a a term for it it's like making it work like a lot of my girlfriends use that Mm -hmm. term it's like oh it didn't it didn't fit me but i can make it work Mm -hmm. so it's that's if you buy like a pinky nude that doesn't match your skin tone you get a dark liner and try to use it to to make it match your skin. Yeah. So my goal with the nude lipstick was to create something that you don't have to make work. It's ready. It's in a set mm-hmm. and they can, they can get it. Mm-hmm. And so people were just shopping right away from your website yeah. and then you're mailing these out yourself. Yes. In the beginning, of course it was from my house. So I was basically running back and forth between my job and my home. Were you testing these particular four shades like on yourself and your friends to, how did you come to, you know, the right four shades. Yes. So there was a lot of doing focus groups, asking the Mm -hmm. customers themselves. Mm -hmm. I did a lot of that too around, okay, what existing shades do you like now? Mm -hmm. Like based on like their, like their skin tones and things like that. So I was doing in-person focus groups, online focus groups as well, products that I liked too. And we, we kept, you know, teasing it with the audience. And I was like, if I have this audience, why don't I just ask them what they want? And that's helped a lot to drilled down the four shades i even worked with an influencer as well we actually and, and went to high school together in nigeria what? and she's now like a major influence shout out to ronke raji she has like two hundred thousand followers now on instagram Amazing. so For i involved her. her in the process too around because she gets a ton she's worked she has like a, a large audience and also worked worked with a lot of brands so it was just to get another an additional perspective too yeah and so when was the moment that you're doing all this while you have a full-time job what was the moment that you were like I'm decided to leave the tech world so Jackie Ina had um oh I love her yeah she's amazing yeah so she had highlighted the palette in one of her videos and we had a really good we did a really good month and that gave us a lot of credibility as well and we never it wasn't like oh you know a sponsor post or anything she was just genuinely kind of like oh because all the time I had the community right yeah she'd been following us like a lot of other influencers so they mm-hmm. were kind of like oh this is cool that they yeah. have products now so I think and that comes to a whole conversation around where people are like oh is influencer marketing a bubble and all that stuff I think it's all about alignment mm-hmm. right um there's this thing I heard the other day and it really stuck with me where someone said that brands are becoming more like people and people are becoming more like brands where more and more people want a brand to have some kind of a a persona Mm -hmm. that isn't just manufactured Mm -hmm. but feels authentic so i think that um when Jackie talked about the palette, it was so organic because I hadn't been like, hey, say this about the palette. She mm-hmm. just liked it. It was yeah. like, this product is awesome. And like, I liked the story behind mm-hmm. it as well. Yeah. So so that had happened. I was getting great PR traction too. We were featured in BuzzFeed and I think Teen Vogue as well. Yeah. So all that had happened, it was a new year. I was reflecting on my journey. And I was, to be honest, I was having challenges as a woman in a startup environment where it was mostly men, mm-hmm. a number of my female colleagues were quitting left and right, essentially. And it wasn't because there was anything wrong with the company, per se. It was just more of a fit with the environment. Mm-hmm. And I was traveling a lot. It was on the road pretty much every week. Yeah. And it just came to a head, basically. Yeah. It was just more of something's got to give. Yeah. 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 And it was on Martin Luther King Day. Is that right? Yes, it was. That day was important to me because... 
I had actually done some historical projects in undergrad. I feel like we hear a lot about Black history in the States Mm -hmm. and I didn't know a lot about Black history in Canada. And I learned through that process as well about the journey of um, people that identify as Black people, their journey into Canada Mm -hmm. and that there was a specific history about that as well. Especially in the Maritimes. In the Maritimes! In Halifax specifically. They even had like a town called Afrikiville. There's even a connection back to Africa where a number of people actually left Mm -hmm. because so what happened is it was the loyalists there were loyalists that came through the maritimes Mm -hmm. area so they came in as free people to the maritimes and a number of them left and went to syria alone so i started learning all this history but i was thinking if i could talk to those people i can't imagine how they would feel to know like someone like me like came to this country and is getting supported and is building a brand like this Mm -hmm. and can just say I'm going to do this and bring it into existence. So it was important to me to to quit on that day because it just represented a lot of things for me as a person Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. it's been it's been a great exciting roller coaster journey ever since. And so we want to circle back to the products a little bit. And I know that, yeah, the Flesh is your number one bestseller. Is that right? Is, flesh. Or, or, yeah, Flesh. Sure. Which one is this? this? Is, that's this one right here. Okay. I know because I wear it like every day. You do? <laughs> so oh, it's pick it really the name of the actual lip gloss. So we, yeah, we can what's tell the, everybody. Yeah. Is it a liquid lipstick or what's oh, the Oh, yeah. So it's a matte liquid lipstick. Okay. Um, cool. So it dries matte. Oh, cool. And of course, our audience is already asking for lip glosses as well. Okay, right. There's a little bit of a surprise with the fragrance also. Oh, yeah? I'll get you to have a smell. And oh, it smells like know. chocolate. Yes! <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's very I just got, I, like, put it right on my nose. <laughs> yeah. And that was a big thing because, of course, yeah. some people are sensitive to fragrance yeah, and yeah. stuff like that. Oh, but God, after doing amazing. a number of surveys, I was yeah. like, I, I really want this. This is what yeah, we're yeah. going to do. And thankfully, it was very well received There's to so do that as well. There's so makeup right now. Yeah, it's cool. But yeah. it's interesting, the name, because Flesh is such a loaded name. It is. Right. Yeah. So talk to, talk to us respond. about that. Yeah. Yeah. So then we were going to go with a lot of different directions. Like, oh, like, you know, we are like the reality is millennials tend to are geared to our brand because we started on social. Right. So that is our audience. Yeah, so sense. there was a lot of initially trying to, you know, come up with cool millennial names that, yeah. you know, fits with the vibe of our brand. And then I was kind of talking, it was a focus group that we did and someone had mentioned how, you know, nude and how that word yes. is kind of loaded because a lot of times when you see nude, you see a beige. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, oh, like what if we use words that were similar to nude or represent nude? Mm-hmm. But then those colors match mm-hmm. darker skin tones. Yeah. And then once that kind of got, that seed was planted, mm-hmm. then we just went with it for the rest of the collection. It's so all the name. names. Yeah. yeah. And then I think it, it also connected strongly with our audience too, mm-hmm. because someone actually, one of our reviews is like, I've never seen flesh used to describe me yeah. or use flesh used to describe my skin tone. Like, mm-hmm. this is amazing. I'm buying one for my daughter too. Yeah. So, and I really, yeah. And then, there was just much more connection mm-hmm. to the brand story yeah. as opposed to like a cool, catchy millennial mm-hmm. thing. That's awesome. Yeah. And so 
this fall, from my understanding, you're going to be tackling foundations, yes. which is, I just feel like that's a whole other level, right? It's a right? whole other level. <laughs> <laughs> and part of that came out of your survey. Is that right? Yes. So a lot of people, I mean, from the job, foundation has been the number mm-hmm. one thing. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like the same trend as previously where I'm like, okay, this is what people want. But I'm, like, I'm so scared. Yeah. Like, how am I yeah. going to do it? Right. But that's what they want. And I think that's important in general in the beauty industry. I think this is happening with the growth of more DTC brands mm-hmm. where we have to start thinking more customer centric. Mm-hmm. I think the conversation is for a long time has always been around shell space because that was just a relationship set. Yeah, yeah. And now we're in an era where you have to be customer centric, I think, mm-hmm. to succeed mm-hmm. and to be ready for the next phase in retail period because I think across even beyond beauty like across um, customer product goods a lot of people because there's such a plethora of options a lot of people want something more and something to connect to beyond just you know you have products and they're available in a lot of places yeah so what what, didn't your survey sorry to interrupt Jill but didn't your survey also say like 80 percent of women still couldn't find their foundation yeah I found and which for me was a surprise because lots of companies Mm -hmm. are now Mm -hmm. launching a number of different brands and they have it available Mm -hmm. but those were the numbers that I was seeing and I was like oh like that's what another again it wasn't just there's never really one thing it was like this all these different touch points that I was seeing that made me launch the product yeah yeah and so what's your starting point with trying to come up with a great foundation is it you know the formula is it the colors the colors I know that you're talking about skin scans or something to come up with the yeah so so that was one of the things that were because I've been so integrated in the tech community Mm -hmm. in Toronto has been so welcoming of my brand and just because Toronto as a city is also having a growing Mm -hmm. sort of startup ecosystem it's huge yeah so I actually was working with um got in touch with another startup that does so they have like a light technology Mm -hmm. that can tell they actually work more in the paint industry oh and then we just started talking and the product was introduced to me and I thought that would be a great addition to our line in terms of using real skin tone Mm -hmm. scans to create the foundations as well so that would be in addition to the things I do already for product development Mm -hmm. which is focus groups and like both in person and online Mm -hmm. is actually include those skin tone scans to it Mm -hmm. because what I realized is is just the process is confusing for everybody yeah regardless mm-hmm. of skin tone so just a way we want to create like a nomenclature around it that's just going to be easier mm-hmm. for our for our audience we will still have sort of like um, I mean you have things like foundation mm-hmm. that will help people match to whatever colors they were wearing in other brands oh, I see. Uh, so that's still valuable but I think it's really important for us to come up with our own mm-hmm. classification criteria and yeah. show people that in a bit to just make it a bit easier yeah. because shopping for, for foundation online is just is just hard for anyone regardless yeah. of skin tone and we're trying to make that process easier yes. any any <laughs> teasers about when we might see the first ones rolling out or I don't think I can give that okay. yet because okay. I don't want people. <laughs> no expectations. So, yeah. They'll be Lower like, put me on the list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So for the for the time being, we do have stuff ready to release, like eyeshadow products yep. that are very pigmented. Mm-hmm. Um, we have bronzers coming out. Bronze, bronzers is such an interesting category because I also thought that bronzers using a bronzer wasn't something I could do right until realizing that it's just because the product's really 
weren't available for dark skin to bronze so yeah. i'm really excited about that all those are releasing oh, cool. by q2 q3 of this year so i'm really excited about those products and so who changed your perspective on that with bronzers because you said you didn't think that was something that even so we work t- with a makeup artist as well now in toronto she actually mostly does a lot of bridal looks okay. but a big focus of her look martha k makeup is her name oh, cool. <laughs> uh, a big focus of her look is like natural natural glam and we had talked about it sort of casually and she's like yeah you can you can bronze and also of course our online audience we have because we have a group too separate mm-hmm. from like our instagram yeah. and it was posted in the group about bronze like it's a facebook group yeah, and cool. we, it was posted too and a lot a lot of women kept bringing up bronzers like i didn't know and then i yeah and then we started seeing a lot more conversations around it online too there's been so much press around your brand we talked about that but also you've had some high profile celebrities sliding into your dms (laughs) (laughs) i would be more than happy talking about that one interesting actual like I don't know to use the word wearer of the brand mm-hmm. would be I don't know if you guys know Buzz, Bazoma Saint John. So no. she is former CMO at Uber. Um, oh, now, yes. yeah, yes. she is getting a TV show soon. Stop. So I think her profile is even going to go even higher. But she loves the brand. Like she was just in the photo with Priyanka Chopra and was like, "I'm wearing MFMG glitter palette." I was cool. like, "Oh my god!" Yeah. We've had India Rees, a huge fan of the of oh, the cool. brand as well. Her. She loves the nude lipsticks. Um, Cynthia Erivo, who's an up, she's a I think she doesn't have a Tony yet, but she's won like um a number of awards. She was in the um recent movie with Viola Davis. With widows oh so she was in widows and it's always so cool when they like straight just message us directly and be like i love this color oh, like cool. can i get so more great. and then gabrielle union was like stop it was messaged us directly and was like i love what you're doing and i love what your brand represents Amazing. and it was even i didn't even know she was following us for like three weeks until a <laughs> friend of mine was like girl i think are you gonna follow your brand i was like oh my god cardi b has actually worn the glitter palette for oh, carnival yeah? in Tr- trinidad as well oh cool. my god amazing on youtube i watched you gave this walrus talk or talk with the oh, walrus yes. magazine but one thing that struck me that you said was about this like frankly like tired archetype of this like woman girl boss side hustle never sleeps getting her job done (laughs) and like that they have no low moments in the run of a day so can you like elaborate on that a bit so Alexis Hohenian who is founder of I think they call Initialized Fund Mm -hmm. and uh, Serena's husband has a term for it he calls it hustle porn okay and that's like a good way to describe it where it's this is this archetype of the perfect entrepreneur you know you got your smoothies at 5 30 yoga's done at 7 30 get your meditation for two hours in the day and i think it can definitely be detrimental to a lot of young entrepreneurs because you feel kind of like why don't i have it all Mm -hmm. figured out or i have to be on all the time Mm -hmm. and i realized i was sort of slipping into it and sort of potentially encouraging other people to to do it because I was showing highlighting of course right. the parts of my lifestyle where I was doing all those things mm-hmm. and I just think it's we're just in an era where being an entrepreneur is cool mm-hmm. and the reality is I don't think it's a path for everyone but I think you know if, if people are like if someone's interested they could you should try it but it the, no one really talks about the harder parts of it mm-hmm. where there there are downs like mm-hmm. the highs are just it's really high like yeah. great highs and there are low moments as well and you really need like a support system in order to get through those 
get through those lows because there are going to be points because you're working with a lot of partners. There are going to be things out of your control. Yeah. There are going to be moments where you don't meet the, the metrics you set out for yourself mm-hmm. or or just like a customer issue. There's just so many things that are going to happen mm-hmm. that if you don't have a central sort of North Star mm-hmm. or a reason mm-hmm. for the business, all those things are going to rock you. Mm-hmm. So my fear is around people wanting to get into entrepreneurship or be founders or CEOs because of the vision yeah. and not knowing the full picture of the reality of the day-to-day yeah. because you could really get like you have to have like your mental health, emotional health, physical, everything needs to be, you don't have to be like have it all together mm-hmm. by any means, but you need to have systems for support in those areas so that you're not completely sort of rocked to your core by mm-hmm. every issue that comes along. Yeah. Is there one line or piece of advice that you've received that you just sort of rely on to get you through a bad day? would be just take it easy on yourself. Mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest thing. Like mm-hmm. is the core central thing for me, especially if if you most likely if you're a business owner, like you're a passionate person and it can be very difficult to to recognize your wins. Mm-hmm. And that's being a, it's still a challenge for me to be honest. Like a lot of people would be like, "Oh, you did this and this is amazing." But in my mind, I'm already thinking five steps ahead of where I want to be, and I have to remind myself to just, you know, that was good. Just take it easy on yourself cuz at the end of the day, you you need you yeah. <laughs> to get through so true. everything yeah. else, to get through life and yeah. you you still need to be present for your family and your friends. So that would be yeah. my thing is just take it easy. I need you yourself. to be my coach. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Literally right now I'm thinking Carlene is making so many <laughs> mental notes. <laughs> You're amazing. Oh, you are amazing. Thanks for tuning in. Visit BreakingBeautyPodcast.com for details on all the damn good products we talked about in today's episode. And be sure to sign up for our newsletter. That way you'll get every episode delivered right to your inbox. You won't miss a single thing. Or subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you get your podcast fix. And please show us some love by rating us or reviewing us in iTunes. See you next time.